Hey, Netaspell fans, I am so excited. I'm so excited because we have the Reverend Dr. <laughs> I don't know if he's a reverend, <laughs> Elliot Adams. On our show today. Yeah. Thank you both so much for having me on. This is so exciting. And to answer your question, yes, I was a reverend. I actually what? officiated my sister's wedding way back in 2006. So I've been <laughs> ordained since then. Dr. Reverend Elliot Adam is here as our guest today. I love it. Oh my God, that's so funny. Dr. Elliot Adam is the award-winning author of Fearless Tarot. If you don't have his first book, it is 100% required reading for anyone who is interested in tarot because it takes all of the quote-unquote scary cards or even anything that's remotely scary about tarot and flips it on its ear and helps you understand the true and deeper meanings of the cards. I use it as one of my trusted resources for tarot all the time. But what Dr. Adam is really here for is his new book, Tarot in Love. And since it's February, the month when we have the sometimes dreaded, sometimes adored (laughs) Valentine's Day, we thought, what a perfect month to have you on and talk about tarot in love. Welcome to Knit a Spell, Elliot, I'm so glad you're here. Yay. I am so thrilled. Thank you, Katie and Jim, so much for having me on. And I'm just excited to talk about the new book as well. So let's dive on into it. Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Before we get started on the book, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about your magical background? Sure. Like a lot of children, I loved fairy tales and myths and legends. And you could often find me as a kid in the library. And I would just take out any book on mythology that I could get my hands on. I fell in love with this goddess named Athena who wore a helmet and was warlike and wise and carried an owl with her. I used to draw owls all the time. So then flash forward many years when I was about 16 or so, I was going through an attic in a house that I lived in, and I found a deck of tarot cards there. And as I was going through the pack, I was seeing these archetypal images like the Empress or the Queen of Rods. And I'm thinking, ooh, who's the Queen of Rods or the Queen of Cups? And I was thinking, this is so familiar. This is so in alignment with what I always loved as a kid. Um, But now these are telling a story and they're interacting with something deep within me. So I just started reading cards and I got known in my neighborhood. And then a little tea house hired me as a 16 year old kid to do a psychic fair and they loved me and I was a hit. There's where my journey with uh, tarot started. And as far as magic is concerned, I was a voracious reader of books in the 90s by Silver Ravenwolf. I just loved her to ride a silver broomstick. And I loved her little chapter that was like, I think she said, you mean I get to pick my own deities? And it just occurred to me like, yeah, I get to pick my own path. I don't have to follow something that's dogmatic or oppressive. I can do something that's more unique to my own path and follow my own truth. It's a long-winded answer, but that's how it all started. Initially, the tarot appealed to you because of this connection to myth 
And I imagine as a kid, there was that attention or for me, I think about we want to do something special. We want to feel the power or the magical, like mythic power. But what have you noticed as an adult reading tarot versus as a child? What's the biggest difference? I think I've had a long time to think about it and write about it. Um, And I think as a child, you're just jumping in and you're just doing what comes natural. You're not self-correcting or trying to get the correct meaning for a card or looking at what other people are doing and thinking, maybe I'm doing this wrong or maybe I should do more of this. I think what's different as an older person is that um, now I can conceptualize, well, what was happening? as a kid and what happens now as adults when we look at these images. Because for me, tarot is a language of symbols and our inner self, our higher self, the part of us that's deepest, it doesn't speak in a a language that's literal like the one I'm using right now. It uses images. Images are our first written language, the hieroglyphs, or even just what we painted on the cave walls at the beginning of civilization. So these pictures, they speak to something that's deeper within us. And later, after studying other books on archetypes or myths or Joseph Campbell and Jung, you start to see, oh, that's what I was doing all that time as a kid. I was dialoguing with these mythic primordial archetypes that have been with humanity since the beginning of time. Now I can understand what was going on. So I think what's changed is just the concept of how it all works. And and also, I don't know, it, your own life experiences, your maturity, your wisdom, you're dealing with loss and gain and love and hate, all of it goes into informing your card reading skills, I think. Sure, of course. Right, yeah. A picture is worth a thousand words. So that kind of makes sense that it would just fill it in no matter what your context might have been, either as a kid or as an adult. After you wrote Fearless Tarot, it's a great book for anyone who is beginner level or advanced. How did you then find yourself to have Tarot and Love being your second book? As a reader, the number one question I get asked about is love, relationships. When am I going to meet somebody? Is the person I'm with the one for me? Sometimes readers get asked this so often, it can even get a little annoying. I write about this in Tarot and Love. You'll get the client who is with the absolute worst human being, so abusive, so negative, and they're calling the tarot reader and they want the tarot reader to tell them that this relationship's okay. And that actually everything's going to be fine. They just have to stick it out. And it doesn't matter if you're going through abuse, you're in love, which somehow makes you someone who should stick in this through thick and thin and no matter what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I was having a conversation in the yard with my sister, and that's how this book got started. And we were talking about relationship readings. And I was saying, why is it that people are asking about these questions with individuals who aren't respecting them or caring for them? What is that saying to them? And then I had to remember, oh, I remember a time in my life before I got married when I was looking for love. And I was accepting all sorts of relationship behavior that was subpar. Because I didn't really know, number one, my own worth. And I also didn't know how a healthy, functional relationship should transpire. And so I was thinking, you know what? I think I'd like to write a book to my younger self, the version of me that was long ago looking for love, just desperate to find that, and who had to find out that 
love doesn't come first to validate you and then your life is happily ever after. Oftentimes what we learn is that we have to go toward our own best life. We have to go through this journey of loving ourselves, warts and all, everything that we don't like. And to really get so enthusiastic about our own life that we put out a different frequency. Because people who come to me for a love reading and they're desperate, when am I going to meet him? I just want to have a relationship. Do you realize you're going out into the world with that energy and people can perceive that? Isn't that repellent? If someone was like that to you, wouldn't you be like, get away? I don't want your needy, clingy energy. Ugh. But if you are someone who's saying, you know what? I am involved in school right now. I'm building a business. I have this wonderful job. I love my life so much. I'm going to go travel. I have so much fun in my daily life that I don't need somebody to complete me. I'm having a great time. I love me. And if I meet someone great, that's the cherry on the Sunday. but I'm not looking at this relationship as my last meal. It's mm-hmm. a totally different vibe. And when you're in that space, you attract love. It's like magic. People are like, who is that? What kind of energy do they have? I want to get to know that person. They're powerful. They're confident. So I wrote Tarot and Love to address the energy we bring into our relationships, to make people self-aware. The book can tell you a lot about what another person might be feeling about you, But what it more can teach you is what do you need to learn about yourself? Why is this annoying card coming up over and over in your love reading that you're not wanting to hear? What is that saying about you? Because if you can get your breakthrough, the relationship's going to follow suit. A great example of this is watch, oh, try to watch any episode of Love Island. These are some <laughs> desperate people. One of the questions we wanted to ask, which I think you just covered was, why is it the number one question? Why is love number one? I think that for many people, there is a desire to mm. meet someone who really relates to you, that you can utterly be yourself around and that you don't have to be afraid is going to abandon you. You don't have to sit by the phone and wonder, are they going to text back? You don't have to run to a tarot reader and say, does this person care? Because they let you know. They let you know from the beginning, I'm not playing games. I want to be with you. Let's do this. So I do believe there is a desire for that. For some people, some people are happily single and all the power to them too. If you love your independence and you were married and you don't want to go back to that because it was a disaster or whatever, and you just enjoy friendships and companionship that is light, go for it. So everybody's different, but I think love questions that are fear-based often come up because the person's thinking of the future, they're not in the present. If I don't get a relationship, will I have a child? If I don't meet the person now, will I ever meet them? These are fears, and that kind of approach to a love reading can be very disempowering. It can take away everything from me. And that's one of those pitfalls that I like to have people avoid. I love how every card really is described in a way that is about you. I don't allow my clients for palmistry to ask about another person. It's easy because I'm reading their palm. Mm -hmm. I always have an excuse to say, oh, if you want to find out about Johnny, I have to read his palm. So I have a little bit of an out, but I love how you really orient this towards, hey, 
what do you need to learn from that night of swords? And you do this throughout the book. It's a fantastic format. Thank you. Yeah, the intro paragraph to every card could be applied to another person or a relationship situation you're asking about. And then we have the different categories that are specific to your question or situation. But always with Tarot and Love, the end of the chapter is, okay, if this didn't make sense about this person, and if it didn't make sense with your situation, then this has to do with you, doesn't it? So what is this card teaching you about you? And that's where people get stuck sometimes. And to also piggyback off of something you said, yes, this really is all about you, isn't it? Relationships for me, they're mirrors. And at different times in our lives, we tend to attract certain partners that are meant to be at that time to reveal something very important about us. And relationships aren't there to fill this need in you or make you reassured about your own worth or value. They're there to teach you. And whether it's a dysfunctional relationship or a highly functional relationship, there's a lesson in there. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to find out what you don't want in order to know what that is. Absolutely. Yeah. Trial and error for sure. You also need to see a pattern show up repeatedly Mm. of what you don't want and hear your tarot reader say, why do you keep getting the tower? You got that last time. You got that the time before. You got the time Mm -hmm. before. Look at your life. Look at your choices. What are you doing? (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will finish up with Dr. Elliot Adam. Guess what, Knit a Spell fans? March Magic is coming to Patreon. Join us for five weeks of magical abundance as we explore fun challenges for you to join in and win prizes. Complete a challenge to be entered into that week's prize. Complete them all to be entered into the grand prize. A palm reading from Jim. To learn more, visit patreon.com forward slash light from lantern. For $13 a month, you'll have access to all of our previous post history, polls, interact with your fellow Knit a Spell fans, Plus, you get to hang out with Jim and I. We hope to see you there, and we'll see you next week. And we're back. Let's start by talking about how your book is great because, like we were saying before the break, it addresses a lot of pitfalls in relationship readings. Can you give us a little overview on why you decided to include that section in particular? Yes. I think of my own pitfalls with giving myself relationship readings in the past or even with clients that come now. One example of a pitfall is letting your ego run the reading or your fear run the reading Mm -hmm. rather than letting your best self go through the reading. Our ego, our fear, it'll pick a card to answer our question, and it will very superficially dismiss the message if it isn't what it wants to see. It will then go through card after card until it finds the message it wants. For example, is he coming back? The tower. No. Okay. But will he come back in six months? The death card. No, he's not coming back. Okay. But will he text me sometime? The Ace of Swords, it looks promising. Maybe he's going to, but will he then want to meet with me again? Two of Cups, oh, that looks better. Wait a second. I just picked the Tower and the Death card and now I'm getting the Two of Cups. Why are the cards contradicting themselves? I don't get what's going on. It's okay, slow down. You are not looking at your message. You're completely letting your fear or your ego run the reading. Whereas when you're letting your best self uh, run the reading, you can ask a question, And you can get the tower and you can say, okay, I'm uncomfortable with this. 
let's lean into that. Why is this making me so uncomfortable? Why am I so quick to reject this message? And then if we can start dialoguing, what's going on with the tower? Something's breaking down. This is also maybe a breakdown of being in denial. You're coming back down to earth. There's some pain here we need to look at. Then when you're starting to dialogue on that deeper level with the tarot, it's cathartic. It's healing. It's not a bad card, good card situation. It's something that's teaching you something deep about you. And then you can walk out of any reading, even with a card like the tower or the death card, and you can avoid the pitfall. You can get the message. You can go through life with a better response and rather than just this fear-based response. So I feel that pitfalls tend to come from letting your fear run things or picking cards over and over or getting obsessive or just trying to hammer your cards to give you the answer that you demand to see when it's not the truth and you deep down know it's not true. So it's all about being brave enough to be honest with yourself. That's a great point. I even now still find myself giving my own readings and I'll flip one and be like, "Mm -mm." and as soon as I go to flip the other, I'm like, okay, calm down. Yeah, we all do it. It is what it is. We all do it because they're symbolic wake-up calls. They're hitting a nerve for a reason. Mm -hmm. I'm touching on that fear because that fear needs to be unearthed and dealt with. And when we deal with those fears and we walk through them and we understand them and we maybe link them up to maybe there's some trauma here. Maybe there's something emotionally incomplete in you that you need to reinforce or better yourself through. Gives you all the power back. It's just a way better way to go through readings and a better way to go through life, in my opinion. And I love how if you have that lean into the tower, will he come back to me? Lean into you, how you're reacting to the Mm -hmm. tower puts the death card in a completely different context around death of transformation, death that it is really over. You can now fertilize something new. It's fascinating just to look at those two different ways of one leads to why are the cards contradicting each other and the other leads to there's actually a message for you but you have to accept it you have to slow down as she said and you have to say okay i'm not gonna reject this i'm gonna look at this there's something i'm learning here and that's why it's hard to read yourself isn't it you know Mm -hmm. when we're giving readings to other people doesn't it seem so much easier it's so clear what this person needs to know But when it comes to ourselves, (laughs) we're all guilty of it. We look at certain cards and we think, oh, I don't want that. That, That's bad. And I'm rejecting that. And then it's, no, I got to catch myself. I got to remember I'm learning too. And it's Mm -hmm. tough. It's something we're all working on, I think, as readers. What does my husband say? Here, take my advice. I'm not using it. (laughs) Uh, Even worse, or maybe not worse, but I also find that when that happens, I can sense myself telling them the thing I need to hear. And then I'm like, was this reading meant for both of us? Because I hear what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. Yes, yes. That is both it ways. was meant for both of you. And I find that true with me as well. I have that in common with you. I'll be doing a reading for somebody else and the advice just flows out. And I'm like, wait a second, I could be using that advice that's talking about me as well. So that kind of circles back to that tarot and love concept too. It's yeah, we're asking about this other person, but doesn't this really have something to teach us about us as well simultaneously? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. 
Another part about your book that's really helpful is that much like how a traditional tarot book would break down different parts of the cards that are to your career and then to your love and then to this and that, you have it all broken down about love, obviously, but in more detail. So you have about new relationships, long-term relationships, intimacy, etc. And I love that you put intimacy because it's a great reminder that not all relationships are sexual friendships and all sorts of things how did you figure out what type of subcategories you wanted to break down for each card i find that tarot is contextual and for example if you're just entering a new relationship and you're interested in this woman and you don't know who she is yet and you pick the fool card that would mean something very different than if you were in a 10-year marriage with somebody and it's your husband and you pick the fool card it's a totally different message because it's a different context and so what i wanted to do was approach relationship questions that covers bases so we're not just pigeonholing one meaning for every person it's a carbon copy stamp out but instead I wanted the book to be user-friendly so you could go to the part that pertains to your situation and then let go of the stuff that just doesn't apply. And so I came up with, after having 20 different categories I wanted to mm. go into, I had to narrow them down for clarity. And my wonderful publisher, Llewellyn and Barbara Moore, was really helpful with also cleaning up the book and really getting it distilled down those basic little nuggets. But now the book has five different categories, which are the new relationship, the long-term partnership, intimacy, advice for when you're single, and then also desires so that you can apply the situation to your particular question, your card that you get so helpful genius jim and i were reflecting on this earlier many cards are obviously associated with love the lovers and all of that even but, negatively yeah like exactly. three of swords like people say mm -hmm. oh heartbreak mm -hmm. but how did you go about figuring meanings for the cards that are less obvious in terms of love yeah and what might some of those be i'll go one bigger the entire pentacle suit when you're oh. online and you're wanting to ask about a relationship and then you're looking up the six of pentacles you're getting financial advice from these mm. websites and you're not asking about money and mm. pentacles aren't always about monetary gain and career <laughs> and all that uh, yeah, until so, you and your husband are fighting over finances. You can, it can be, absolutely. But in the beginning of a relationship, unless you're both already squabbling over who mm. pays the bill or whatever, that's not going to come up. And for me, pentacles, they don't have just to do with money. They have to do with our sense of worth, value. Mm. They have to do with also our sense of emotional currency. One card oh. to answer your question that no one would associate it with love. And in fact, I got a stump a few years back when a client asked me about her relationship and I picked the six of pentacles and all the other cards were saying, this isn't a good relationship, but her card was the six of pentacles. And for the listeners who don't know what that is on the Rider Waite Smith deck, there's this merchant who's giving these coins to these beggars and it means generosity support, kindness, giving something of yourself to others. That sounds very noble, doesn't it? And when a dysfunctional relationship's going on and I'm getting the six of pentacles, I'm like, that doesn't mean that in this situation. Again, tarot's contextual. So I had to stop and I had to look at the picture and what's going on there. There's a beggar begging for scraps from this person who's just giving 
a few paltry coins. And I said, in your relationship, your partner's holding all the power and you're begging for whatever scrap you can get. And when you go into your relationships as a beggar, it's desperate and you're going to be treated like a beggar. And so it totally was a paradigm shift for how do I interpret the six of pentacles in a love reading? It's totally different. It's showing an unequal power dynamic. One person's holding all the power and the other person is not feeling worthy, valuable enough. They don't feel like they can speak up. And knowing that, that client said to me, I don't want to beg for this person to love me. And I said, then you need to stop it. You need to stop waiting for the text. You need to stop waiting for this person to come back after they've disrespected you because you're the beggar on the card and that's mm -hmm. not healthy for you. And I said, you should be getting angry about that. You know, that's horrible that someone's treating you like that. How dare they? It totally changed her energy. She broke mm. up with that person. We got to look at the symbols and not just perceive them from what the guidebook said that we grew up with. Oh, six right. of pentacles is always generosity. Look at what the picture is showing you. Mm -hmm. Picture is worth a thousand words. I imagine even if you were to read it the other way, where I'm the wealthy person giving coins, do I want a lover who is sucking me dry or begging? Exactly. For in, and in out of begging. power. Yeah. So yeah. either way in that card, there's an unequalness of power in that relationship. That is mm -hmm. genius. It's all in the book. So you yeah. gotta look at the other cards too, or just <laughs> pick one. I find that this book is really fun. I've been married for, we just celebrated 12 years together Yay. in January. I know it's amazing. It's been that long. But when we got the book at first, we opened it up and then we took out a tarot deck and then I said, you pick a card and let's test out the book and see how well it works. And I'll pick a card. And we picked these cards and had an amazing conversation about things that really weren't getting vocalized or spoken about in our own relationship that made us look at things in a different way and really brought us closer together. So I encourage anyone who gets the book, play with it, have fun, even use it with your friends and look at their relationships and see if it resonates. It's fun. It's a cool. great exercise for couples or throuples yeah. or quadruples or friends. Anything you got. Yeah. Another part of your book that I really enjoyed is about creating tarot spreads. I feel like I'm a creative person, but it's something that I always struggle with is finding a framework in order to build questions that actually make any sense. You have some great examples in your book. So I was curious about what your process is in order to create successful spreads. My process is to identify the knowledge that you desire. A reading is for asking questions and getting an answer that reflects to something deep within you. So what am I struggling with? There's where we start. What's the issue? What is it that I'm not understanding here? And then that could be our theme of our spread. And then we can just pick things apart and go into the different aspects of that. I love designing your own spread because it cuts to the chase. You don't have to go through someone else's materials and their spread and hope that you get to the answer you're looking for. You can just start out with some parameters and really organize that information and get the answer you're looking for quicker. And the spread can be one card or it could be 10 cards or it could be 20 cards. It's really up to you. What I think spreads are useful though for is creating some parameters. So if the cards are the soul of your reading. The spread is the skeletal system. It gives it structure. It organizes the information. As I was saying, tarot is contextual. 
So if you have a spread position, that gives you context. It tells you how this card is supposed to be interpreted uh, in order to answer this question that the spread position deals with. So it really hones in that tarot message towards something specific for you. And anyone can make a tarot spread. You don't have to work with tarot for many years. You just have to identify what's the big question mark in your own heart, what's unresolved. Make it personal and don't reject what you see right away. As we said earlier, it might not be the answer you're looking for, but it's the answer you need. Great point. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I love that. Before we go, I know you shared at least a couple of stories with us already, but I was wondering if you had another perhaps memorable love-related reading story that you could share with us. The one that comes to mind is the one I told. I can just think of all the readings I used to do for myself when I was lost and looking for love and didn't really find that I was finding it. I think, yeah, I would just say that the big story, the big thing that I would find is that I was thinking that the love needed to come first for my life happily ever after to start. And what I ended up getting in my messages over and over again was focus on your career, focus on your work life, go and travel, go to that school in that other state, see what happens. And the love's just going to follow. It's going to follow your bliss. So I think the major lesson I learned from fumbling through my own love cards is Follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell says. And once you find it, don't let go of it. It's going to lead to more wonders than you can imagine. Oh, I oh, love that. So beautiful. What so true. Awesome. Elliot, what's next for you? Tell us the tea. The year is young, but I'm sure there's <laughs> well, more on I'll, deck. I'll let you in on a little thing we're considering sure. for certain. We won't tell anyone. It'll just be on the internet forever. Okay, we haven't made the final decision, but my husband is very brilliant actors, and he just got accepted into a program for cybersecurity in England. (gasps) So I may be moving to England in 2023 to support him in his studies and also just to enjoy England. I got obsessed with English history during the pandemic. I just was researching everything I could find out about it. I'm excited that might be happening this September. We're going to travel there first in May, look at everything and see if Canterbury is going to be the place that we want to settle down for the next year or two. Wow. So exciting. And so much closer to Greece. (laughs) Yes, I know. I can't wait. I know. It'll be just a quick little hop over the pond there. That means we have to go to Milwaukee this year and then to London. Yes, my arm. Absolutely. (laughs) Come on, Katie. What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, 2024. (laughs) Knit a spell spell on location. We'll see. That'll be fun. And so where can people find out more about you? What social media do you have? Do you have a newsletter? What kind of classes and events? Tell them everything. You bet. If you want to know what I'm up to, you can always go to elliotoracle.com. That's my website. It's also a really great resource for free tarot meanings. They're very popular. If you're struggling with a card meaning, you can just type in Elliot Knight of Swords and on the internet, it'll be the first thing. You just click on that and I have so much free content and videos online that you can look at. And you can always check me out at social media. My Instagram handle is Elliot Oracle. Please keep in mind on Instagram, I do not DM followers. There's a lot of scam artists on Instagram who are stealing people's pictures. And then they're changing the handle name by one letter. 
and trying to tell people that they're going to offer them a free reading or give them money for this. And they just need to be aware of that. But Instagram, I have weekly Oracle reveal videos where people pick piles and cards and then I interpret them. And I also have little daily card draws that give you advice for the day. Just check out Elliot Oracle online anywhere. You're going to find a lot of me out there. And we'll be sure to link everything in our show notes as well for easy access. Remember, you can also get a tarot reading. Mm -hmm. Still booking tarot readings, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. If you want to book a reading with me, you can also go to elliotoracle.com. One of the best things I ever did getting yes. a tarot reading from Elliot oh. was mind blowing. It's like, not going what? to your palm reading. The feeling is mutual. And oh. just that energy I had with you, it was just so cool how we were just bouncing back and yeah. forth. Mutual um, admiration I society. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it yeah. too. His tarot readings changed me. It was so amazing. So don't miss the opportunity to get a tarot reading from Elliot. Because sometimes when authors get a lot of books under their belts, they might stop doing tarot readings. There's other authors that have stopped doing that. Don't miss it. While the getting's good. Yeah. <laughs> while he's young and fresh and not <laughs> jaded. <laughs> oh before he gosh. retires to Greece, yeah. never to Come be heard from again. Yeah, both of Elliot's books, Tarot yes. in Love and Fearless Tarot, are must reads. These are not only reads, but they are resources. Yes, you can use this in lieu of the little white book that you get with your tarot deck, and it is an amazing deep dive into everything you need to know in love readings. I think this, along with Fearless Tarot. You have everything you need to read tarot in those two books. So check it out. Get it from your local bookseller. If you have to get it from an online resource, you can. I'm only going to judge a little bit. We have alternative <laughs> links that aren't that one place that you yeah. can purchase it from, including yes. from Llewellyn. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for those kind words. And Thank you both for the wonderful resource that you give your listeners. This has just been such a treat for me. And I hope to chat with both of you again. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. You yeah, maybe are, from London. Yes, I'd love that. Yes. <laughs> we love you. Awesome. Well, love you too. Everyone, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed our time that we spent with Reverend Dr. Elliot Adam. <laughs> and we will see you next week on another episode of What, Katie? Knit a spell. See you then, everyone. Thanks for Thanks listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes and Spotify, or following Knit a Spell on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the Light from Lantern YouTube channel to enjoy full episodes of Knit a Spell and see our happy faces. You can also learn more about readings, classes, and events going on with your favorite maker of magic, James Devine, by visiting thedivinehand.com and subscribing to his newsletter. Then follow Jim's fun and interactive Instagram account at Divine Hand Jim. Keep up with Katie, the magical maker, by subscribing to her newsletter at lightfromlantern.com. You'll receive a free knitting pattern as a thank you gift. Then follow Katie on Instagram at lightfromlantern for even more magical making tips. See you See next, next week. week.